Amen. Here's what I want to talk to you and to myself about this, this morning. I want to talk to us about making the decision to be grateful people. Amen. Making that decision to be grateful people. And for our main text today, we're going to look at uh, the passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And we want to begin at verse 16 and from verse 16 to verse 19. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 to verse 19. Let's read it together. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In, in everything do what? Give. In everything give thanks for this. What, what is he referring to? Well, among other things, he's referring to giving thanks in everything. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. How many of you are in Christ Jesus? All right, so this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for who? Say for you, for me, for us. You know, I know often we want to know what God's will is and we pray and we say, Lord, what is your will? What is your will? Well, I have discovered in my own life that much of God's will is already revealed to me in Scripture. And if I will commit to rely upon him to enable me to do the will of God that is revealed in Scripture, I really don't have to worry about the other aspects of God's will that I don't know. Because somehow when I'm doing his will, he orders my steps, directs my path into his will in other areas of my life. So if we would just focus on asking God to help us by his spirit that lives in us to do the will of God that is revealed in scripture, we won't have to really be concerned about those aspects that are unknown because God orders our steps. The Bible says the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. Hallelujah. And so here is God's will for every one of us. Among other things, I want to focus on this particular point. In Everything, give thanks. Let's say that. In everything, give thanks. Are you doing that? Is this your habit? Is this your practice? You know, the, it is said of Jesus, when he took the five loaves and two fish and he gave thanks to it, for it, the scripture says, as was his habit. So it was his habit to give thanks. And it is his will that we also develop this habit of giving thanks, being grateful people. And we will see that there are many benefits, both spiritual and physical and mental and social, many benefits connected to following God's instructions here. And that's the nature of God. Uh, when God tells us to do something is really never because he has a need. It's always because he knows our need and he knows what it will take to meet those needs. So it's always for our good. So you can be absolutely certain that when he says in everything give thanks, it's actually for your good and mine. It's actually going to benefit us. 
Not just spiritually, but in many different ways. Hallelujah. You see, giving thanks is a game changer. Let me repeat. Giving thanks is a game changer in any relationship, for every relationship. If I will practice being a grateful person, that attitude of gratitude is a game changer. By that I mean it makes a huge difference. It makes a huge difference in your relationship with God. That's why over and over and over again we're exhorted in Scripture to give thanks. In fact, the Bible says come into his presence. How? With thanksgiving. God is saying, listen, it's going to benefit you. And this is going to be a game changer in terms of our relationship. If you learn to practice gratitude towards me, and when you come into my presence, no matter what is happening in your life, no matter what circumstances you find yourself in, whether you're happy or sad, make it your habit when you come into my presence to come into my presence, not to complain, enter my presence with thanksgiving on your lips. Say game changer. It makes a huge difference. And we're going to look at one or two examples of how practicing this principle can be a game changer when it comes to your ability to receive and to position yourself to receive from God. Now, the flesh doesn't like that. Our flesh has the tendency to complain. And so if we leave our flesh alone, guess what's going to happen? We're going to end up complaining. We're going to find something to complain about. There will be a lot of good things, but somehow we will find something to criticize, something not to give thanks for, and that's what we're going to focus on. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? That's our tendency. So we're going to have to make a decision in everything to give thanks because it's not going to happen automatically. It's also a game changer in your relationships with, peop with people. Huge game changer. I mean, there are many relationships that are sour right now that would completely turn around if both people in that relationship just decided to find something to be given thanks for instead of always finding the things to complain about. It's amazing how we pray for things. We ask God for something, and then God blesses us with that. And we might be excited for a while, and then at some point, the thing that we were so excited about before, all of a sudden we can't find anything good to give thanks for again concerning that thing. I mean, how many folks get married? They prayed for the husband, prayed for the wife. God blesses them with the husband or the wife. The honeymoon is great. <laughs> but you meet them down the road sometimes it's just a few months later sometimes it's a few years down the road but all of a sudden the husband can find nothing to be thankful for in his relationship with his wife or the wife can find nothing to give thanks for in her relationship with her husband the only time or every time he speaks of his wife it's to complain. 
Or every time she speaks of her husband, it's to complain. And let me say this now, I'll say this later. Complaining doesn't make things better. Complaining will always make the matter worse. That's just a fact. So if you want to see the relationship bettered, you've got to shift from always and only complaining. In fact, if it's possible to stop complaining altogether, I encourage you to do so. You can, you can still state a problem without being a complainer. Are you hear me? Shift from complaining and go to finding something. At once, Time, you had so much you could give thanks for. Surely, there's still something that you can be thanking God for on a daily basis for your wife or for your husband. It will change your relationship if you start doing that. All of a sudden, you will start seeing possibilities instead of impossibilities. You will start seeing open doors instead of shut doors. Despair will give way to hope. And that is going to influence your actions. And as a result of that, the relationship will start to get better. It may take a while. But if you just started giving thanks for one another, instead of always complaining, Thanksgiving will be a game changer. Not just in your marriage, but in every relationship in your relationships with your co-workers, in your relationships with your boss, in your relationships with those you oversee, in your relationships with the members of the church, in your relationship with your pastor, in your relationship with the church, in your relationships, wherever you find yourself, when you're dealing with people, you have a choice. You can complain and there will always be things you can complain about because nobody's going to meet all your expectations. Or you can choose to obey what God instructs us to do because this is his will and say, you know what? I'm going to choose in this situation to start giving thanks. I'm going to find things to be thankful for in this relationship. I think now this story just came back to my mind. Uh, there was this minister who was known for always giving thanks, always giving thanks, always giving thanks. And one day he was, he was, he was met by a robber, put at gunpoint and robbed of his possessions and people wondered you know what is there now for him to give thanks for but because he was a grateful person even facing that he raised his hand and he said Lord I thank you that I was the one who was robbed and not the one who robbed if you want to be a grateful person you can, but you're going to have to choose to be. All right? And, and being grateful also is going to be a game changer in your relationship with the devil. <laughs> you know, one of the most powerful spiritual weapons we have is Thanksgiving. The devil doesn't know what to do with someone who is always giving thanks. Are you hearing me? He releases his best. He comes against us. And in the midst of that, we choose not to complain but to give thanks. That puts him into confusion. Thanksgiving introduces major confusion in the enemy's camp. 
and causes often the enemy to turn on himself. And that which he was trying to do against you actually starts to work for you. It's a powerful spiritual weapon. This is what the Bible says. The Bible says, be sober, be vigilant for your adversary, the devil, roams about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We suggest there are some people he cannot devour. He can attack, but he cannot devour them. Why? They're sober and they're what? Vigilant. Now, when you go to Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, if you can go to Colossians 4, verse 2 in the New King James, I want to show you something. Because the devil cannot devour someone who's sober and vigilant. And, and notice what, what we just read here. Now, read this. Continue earnestly in prayer, being what? Vigilant in it with thanksgiving. So the devil cannot devour someone who's vigilant. And now we discover in Colossians 4, 2, the way to be vigilant is to be vigilant in it with thanksgiving. So when you are thanking God, you are being vigilant and the devil is unable you become one of those he cannot devour. Say that, but the devil cannot devour a person who is always grateful. A person who in every situation is giving thanks is undevourable. I didn't say you can't be attacked. He just cannot succeed against you. The weapons you form against you will not prosper. A powerful, a, powerful, a powerful example of that is in the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And there's a passage there that you know, most of you. That's where Jehoshaphat, King Jehoshaphat, heard that three different kings had come together to attack him and attack Jerusalem and destroy them, and he became afraid. And he did what we should do. Whenever you hear bad news, amen, when the enemy has ganged up against you, and you're getting attacked from different sides. It's not one problem. It's not even two, three, four. They come in clusters. And you find yourself as a human being feeling helpless and powerless. And you start to worry or you start to be afraid. This is what you ought to do. Do what Jehoshaphat did. He went to the Lord and he sought help from the Lord. He admitted his weakness and said, God, I'm going to need your help here because I am not able to handle all of this that is coming against me. And he added some fasts and he sought the Lord. And as he sought the Lord, the word of the Lord came to him and said, you're not even going to have to fight physically. You won't have to take a sword and go to battle physically against these enemies. And the instructions the Lord gave him was to do what? Send the praisers. Put together a team of people, the Levites and the choir and the praiser worship team. And they begin to praise the Lord. They begin to sing, giving thanks and praising the Lord. And the Bible says, as they were singing praising and giving thanks, the enemy, all three of them, turned against one another. And they literally started to kill each other. How would you like the devil to be put into confusion? Because they got confused. They forgot what they came to do. They forgot who they were doing. They forgot their strategy. And they literally began to fight one another. Do you know that that's utter confusion? 
Now that is in the scripture to encourage you because that's one of the effects of thanksgiving. When in the midst of trouble, especially when you're under attack from many sides and you know you're powerless, if you will follow this example, heed the instruction, lift up your voice, instead of complaining, you begin to give thanks to the Lord and you begin to praise the Lord and you begin to thank the Lord. Brothers and sisters, something is happening in the realm of the spirit. Amen. When you start to do that, you're positioning yourself for God to be able to work in that situation, put confusion in the enemy's camp, turn the enemies against each other, however he chooses to do it, but to give you victory from the attacks. And what the enemy meant for evil, God turns it around and makes it work for your good. Powerful, powerful weapon. So thanksgiving is a game changer in your relationship with God. Give thanks in everything. It's a game changer in your relationship with people. Give thanks for everything. It's a game changer in spiritual warfare. Over and over, the Bible tells us to pray with thanksgiving. Pray with thanksgiving. Intercede with. That's a reason for that. Because God knows the power of being grateful. And how that can affect us and affect him and affect the enemy for our good. Now Jesus taught it. Jesus taught the importance of being grateful. Not only with words but by his very example. I mean Jesus was always giving thanks. I, I already said to you that it's written in scriptures that it was his habit to give thanks. So if it was a habit, that means he was doing it all the time. Every opportunity that he was faced with, good or bad, he would give thanks to God. He found a reason to be thankful. It was his habit. And now, according to Colossians 4, 2, God wants that to be your habit and to be my habit. I want to be a grateful person. I want you to be a grateful person. Most importantly, God wants all of us to be grateful people. Not complainers, but grateful. Because hear me, Gratitude will bless, but ingratitude and, and complaining will do just the opposite. After telling us to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, everything give thanks, after he said that, the next thing he says was quench not the spirit. What that really means in context is that ingratitude, among other things, will quench the Spirit, will limit the operation and the ministry of the Holy Spirit for us, in us, and through us in our circumstances. You don't want to do that. You don't want to quench the Spirit. You want to position yourself so that the Spirit can flow. And we know that God works with faith. When you're giving thanks, you are literally releasing faith when you're giving thanks, you are watering the seed. When you're giving thanks, you are positioning yourself in a place where God then can truly begin to work in your lives. Don't quench the spirit. Release the power of the spirit. And one of the best ways to release the power of the spirit is to release your faith through thanksgiving. And so Jesus understood this and he made it his habit to give thanks because he knew the connection between thanksgiving and the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. He knew the connection between thanksgiving and faith. And so he made it his habit.
to also do that. Always. So when he got to the grave of Lazarus, and Lazarus had been dead for how long? Four days. Lazarus had started to stink. It was from all uh, human perspectives impossible. It was lost. There was a loss there. And his sisters, Lazarus' sisters, cried and wept. And they even said to Jesus, had you been here, we would not have suffered this loss. But now it has happened. So facing a huge and great loss, what did Jesus do? The first thing he did when faced with this great loss, the death of Lazarus, for four days, the Bible says the first thing he did was to say, Father, I thank you. He understood the power of giving thanks. He understood the connection between thanksgiving and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He understood the connection between thanksgiving and the release of divine power. And so, faced with loss, the temptation would have been to complain, but that's not what he did. He gave thanks to God. And when he did, he created the condition that allowed God to work in that situation. And in this particular case, the man who had been dead for four days came back to life. In other words, that which had been lost was supernaturally recovered. One of the things that can happen when you and I have suffered a great loss is that when we give thanks and release our faith, faith through thanksgiving, one of the things that can happen is that God can literally cause that which you have lost to be completely recovered. Do you know that you may have lost love for your spouse or for your husband or for your wife or lost love and by giving thanks to God, God can cause you to recover that loss? That love can come back and be stronger than it ever was? Do you know that you could have lost in business major loss and if instead of complaining you were to give thanks God can cause you to recover the money you've lost and even exceed that. Don't set artificial limitations on God. Give God room, people, to do some awesome things. How? By not complaining. Instead, by choosing to give thanks. Create the opportunity, create room, give God the space to cause that which you have lost to be recovered. And if he doesn't, if it's not what you lost that's recovered, it's exactly, he can replace it. God can replace what's lost with something even better. I mean, if, the, if one marriage has been destroyed, it, it's unfortunate, but sometimes that marriage itself can never be recovered. But God can bless you again and give you a marriage that is even better than the first. He's that kind of God. If you lost business, your business and you know God has called you to this, don't give up just because the first business you started has died. Lift up your hands and give God thanks and praise him. And he can guide you and he can direct you and he can do some things that will cause you to... Not necessarily recover the old business, but replace it with something even better, something greater. Let your disappointments become God's appointments. And the way you do that primarily is by choosing not to complain, 
but to give thanks. Amen. So at Lazarus' grave, Jesus chose to give thanks. Facing loss, Jesus gave thanks, and that allowed God to turn the thing around for him and for Lazarus' sisters. And then we see Jesus again practicing this principle, feeding 5,000 men, women, and children, over 12,000, maybe 15,000. How much did he have to begin with? Five loaves, two fish. That is very, very little. A little boy's lunch, not even enough for a man. That's all he had. And what did Jesus do? Did he complain? Did he say, oh, that's all you give me? All of y'all here? Only one little boy was willing to give five loaves and two fish? The rest of you stingy people? Because you cannot tell me that boy was the only one who brought food. He just was the only one who was willing to share it. Jesus could have complained, right? He could have rebuked them, told them how mean they were, how stingy, how selfish they were. He could have, but that's not what he did. Instead of complaining, which he knew would not make the situation better, he chose to do what he knew would release God's grace into the situation. He took the five loaves, very small people, that very little thing, and instead of complaining, he said, thank you, Father, as was his habit. Say that, as was his habit. May his habit of giving thanks become my habit and your habit as well. He gave thanks. And when he did, again, he made room for the grace of God to enter that situation. And God took what was not enough and made it more than enough. God took little and increased it. Somebody said, little is much when it's in the master's hands. And the way you put your little into his hands is by giving him thanks. Here is a very valuable lesson for all of us to learn. Don't just give thanks for big things. Don't just wait for the big things to happen before you give thanks. Amen. Don't wait until you receive that supernatural miracle and you are completely miraculously healed before you give thanks. You know what? If today you were able to get up in spite of the fact that you're still struggling with pain in your body, instead of focusing on the pain and complaining, focus on the fact that you were able to get up. It may not be much, but you say, Lord, I'm grateful today that I was able to get out of bed. You're walking with pain, Lord, I'm grateful today I'm able to take the steps. Listen, you may not have the big thing yet, but then do what Jesus did. Don't complain about the little that you have. Look at what God has done, big or small. What God has given you, big or small. What you have, big or small. And do what Jesus did. Instead of complaining and making things worse, lift it up unto him and say thank you. Because again, when you say thank you, that word thank you actually is connected to the word grace. Grace and thanksgiving in the Greek they have the same, same uh, uh, root word. So when you're giving thanks, you're actually releasing grace. 
God's unmerited favor comes into greater manifestation in your situation when you're thanking God. And so go ahead and give thanks because just like God was able to take the five loaves and two fish and end up making it more than enough, I've seen God do that over and over and over again in my own life. I've seen God do it in this church. I've seen him take little that is insufficient. And because we've chosen, we don't do it perfectly. Sometimes we complain that when we do, we catch ourselves, we've got to repent. Are you hearing me? But because we choose to be thankful and to say thank you, we've seen him take little and do much with it. I want to encourage you. Stop complaining when all you have is a little. Give God thanks. Hmm? Your husband or your wife may not be giving you the love or respect to the degree that they ought to. Don't just focus on what they're not doing. Give thanks for what they are doing. And trust God to do a miracle with the little that you're thanking him for so that it becomes not just enough, but more than enough. The job you have may not be the job you want, but don't complain about the job you have. Because complaining will not make it better. In fact, complaining will probably make it worse. Instead of complaining, go ahead and start giving thanks for the little job, for the little money. Lift it up to God and say, God, you know, this is not all I want and this is not all I need. I know there's more, but I want to say thank you for this. Do you get what I'm saying? It's going to make a huge, huge difference. Hallelujah. Now, being a grateful person means that not only are you going to make a decision to give thanks for the big and for the little in every situation, it also means you're going to have to make a decision you're not going to complain. Now, that's hard because the flesh wants to complain. Right? I know my flesh does. I don't know what kind of flesh you have. Amen. But when things don't go my way, when I don't see things happen the way I would like for them to happen, my flesh wants to complain. Right? But i got to remind myself that complaining is not going to make the situation better. In fact, it's going to make it worse. It's going to delay my breakthrough. It's going to prolong my misery. It's going to limit God's power and grace in my life. That's what happens when you complain. Again, Scripture teaches us by example. Remember Israel? God supernaturally delivered them out of what? Egypt with signs and wonders and miracles. My, 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 didn't God show them favor? Didn't God show them grace? Didn't God demonstrate power when he delivered these people out of Egypt and caused them to cross the Red Sea and, and destroy their, their, the armies of Egypt? My, 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 wasn't God being gracious and good to them when every day he would provide the cloud to protect them from the heat and he would provide at night the fire to warm them and protect them from the cold? When every day without fail they got up, there was manna that was being provided for them so that even in the desert, three million people always had something to eat. Now what they had was not a five-course dinner. It wasn't a five-course meal. Every day was the same thing. The only thing I can eat every day and not get tired of is rice. I don't know what there is about rice, but I can eat rice Anybody here know what I'm talking about? I've been eating rice every day all my life, and I've never gotten up and said, I'm tired with rice. I don't know what it is, but, but matter must be lacking to rice. 
<laughs> the other day, I eat a few days, and I'm tired with it. So these people, every day, they had manna, same old thing, same old thing. But the manna was sustaining them. That manna had enough nutritional value to make sure that they were getting what their bodies need to be healthy. Wow. It didn't taste great, I understand. But every day they had something to eat. And then when you consider all the other things God had done, supernatural and miraculous for them, they should have still been saying, God, thank you for the manna. It's little, it's much, it's not steak, it's not my favorite food. But you know what, God? I'm going to say thank you because if it were not for the manna, I'd be dead. Amen? But that's not what they did. With all that God had done for them, they chose to focus on the fact that all they were getting was manna and made that the subject of their conversation every time they got together when Moses was not there. <laughs> the conversation was about manna. You know, he took us out of the Egypt where we had all of this delicious food. The, the onions. The onions were mine. I don't know what about onions they love so much. Onions and, and all this stuff we had. So now they have forgotten that they were in Egypt, they were slaves. Okay, but they just focus on the manna and complain. And you know what happened? They begin to say things about dying and by going back to Egypt. And God says to them, he says, you know what? All of that complaining that you're complaining is coming to my ears. And this is what's going to happen. You're going to get just what you say. That's what he said. What I'm, what I'm hearing is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to honor your words. And I'm going to, you're going to get just what you're saying. Now, that is a spiritual law. When you're complaining, you know what you're doing? You're releasing spiritual law. And God will say to you the same thing he said is, okay, this is what I'm hearing. I'm not hearing thanksgiving. I'm hearing complaining. And so you know what's going to happen. This is spiritual law. You're going to get what you're saying. And they got what they were saying. And a, a, a trip that should have taken only 11 days took 40 years. And all of those folks, except for two, died. That's what they were saying. They were complaining. And you get what you say, whether you're complaining or whether you're thanking. So when things are bad and all you're getting is manna, if you want to cut short, reduce <laughs> the length of time you're going to eat manna, I encourage you, thank God for manna. Don't complain. Because that will simply prolong your journey. Are you learning something? Find something in the situation for which you can give God thanks. Look for some good because there's something you can give God thanks for. And like this preacher who, who always has something to thank God for. If you've been robbed, at least thank God that you are not the one who did the robbing. Are you here? Now, I'm going to bring this so close, but I got to say a few things. I suggested this, and maybe you already got it, but I want to make sure I drive it home and it's clear. Let's read that again. 
in everything, give thanks. Now, some of your Bibles say, in everything, give thanks to God. That is not in the original Greek. In the original, it's simply, in everything, give thanks. So, the will of God is not only that you give thanks to him. And some of us don't have a problem thanking God. The problem is when you got to thank me. Or I got to thank you. Or I got to appreciate you. Or you got to appreciate your brother or your sister. The problem is not with appreciating God. Some of us do have difficulties with that. But many people are okay with saying, say thank you to God. Where we have the problem often is we're unwilling to show appreciation for one another, for other people, and for what God has used that person to do in our lives, big or small. That instruction from God is incomplete if all you're focused on is giving thanks in every situation of God. No, 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 no. If we're going to be in the perfect will of God and experience the benefits of being his will and reap the full benefits of being a grateful person, then we're going to have to make a decision. We're not only going to give God thanks, we're going to also give thanks to people. Because most of the time, if not 100% of the time, when God blesses you, there are people connected to the blessing. Are you hearing me? He will encourage you often by causing someone to speak a word of encouragement. He will answer your prayer for financial breakthrough by causing someone to give you some financial blessings or give you a job or give you information that will lead to a job. Somebody will show you favor. Are you hearing me? He will satisfy certain needs you have in your life, emotionally or physically, through someone else. Your need for significance, he can meet that need by putting you in relationship with somebody else. So here's the reality, folks. The great majority, when I say great majority, the great, great majority of time when God blesses you, that blessing comes through someone else. Sometimes it's something small, other times it's something big. But if we're going to be people who are grateful and walk in the perfect will of God and reap the benefits of being grateful people, then we got to extend our gratitude far beyond just giving God thanks. And we got to make it a priority to start showing appreciation for one another. Are you hearing me? Show appreciation for your brother. Show appreciation for your sister. Show appreciation for your children. Children, show appreciation for your parents. Pastors, show appreciation for the members. Members, show appreciation for your pastors. Listen, we've got to learn how to appreciate one another. Instead of always focusing on the one thing or the two things that maybe I don't like, I need to see all the other things and say, Lord, I thank you for this. Because when we start doing that again, we create the condition for God to make things better. And I thank you right now for not sleeping on me. And for those of you who are sleeping, I thank you for not snoring. <laughs> Say hallelujah. But are you being helped? 
Amen. And I thank you for reminding me I only got five more minutes. Thank you. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I want to, I, there are a few things. I may take ten because there are a few things I really need to make sure. Listen to this. Um, I just said that if you're going to be a grateful person, it can't just be gratitude to God. We got to work on being grateful for one another. You know, we had the memorial service for Kalia yesterday. And prior to that, the staff had met and we were just reflecting on Kalia's life. And we have so many stories of people saying how this woman had impacted them. And Kalia did this, and Kalia did that, and Kalia said this. And, and to be honest with you, I was amazed that Kalia had touched so many people. And all of us realized, you know what? We weren't sure that Kalia knew to what extent we were grateful to her for what she had done. Because we never or we didn't do it enough, fully express to her what she meant to us. And all of us felt, and one of the reasons I'm preaching this message today is because this is the area that I want to work on and do better at myself. And I, I want you to do better at being grateful. Let's be grateful for our church. I mean, there's, a, there's so much here to be thankful for. Amen. Let's not latch on to the one, two, or three things that maybe could be much better and just complain. Amen. The church will really become better. God will do more to change us if we actually start thanking him for the things that are good. Are you hear me? Let's thank God for one another. Husbands, wives, children, parents. Let's work on this. Don't, don't let us not wait until we lose someone or lose something before we say, oh, I really, really appreciated that. Okay? So we've got to prioritize giving thanks to people. But this is what we need to understand. Listen to this is because this is a very important point. Gratitude unexpressed is experienced as ingratitude. What do I mean by that? I mean, if you have done something for me, and my heart is really grateful, I'm really thankful, I really appreciate what you did, but I never express that gratitude, I never say to you, thank you, or oh, I really appreciate that. If I don't do that, no matter how grateful I feel in my heart, you will experience that as ingratitude. And here's something about all of us. Our hearts naturally gravitate towards gratitude and recognition. Our hearts, we desire that. We desire to be appreciated. We desire to be acknowledged. Now, we may, the way we acknowledge one another may be different. Some people might want you to do it publicly. Some people might not care for that. But at the, at the end of the day, all of us have a, are, are built this way. That we actually desire to be appreciated. We desire to be valued. We desire to be acknowledged. And if you do something for me and I don't show that I appreciate in some way, which you can interpret as appreciation, this is what's going to happen. Sooner or later, you're going to start feel I'm taking you for granted. 
And if I'm taking you for granted, you may tolerate that for a while, but nobody wants to be taken for granted. Y'all stay with me, I beg y'all. She's taking care of him. Just keep looking at me again. God, I've lost all of y'all. And pretty soon you will lose me too because I'm looking at him. <laughs> Are you still here? All right. So what's going to happen is if, if, if you keep feeling I'm taking you for granted because I'm not expressing the appreciation, at some point, because nobody wants to be taken for granted. We all want to be valued and we want, that's just, that's natural. We're built that way. At some point, if I withdraw gratitude, you're going to withdraw yourself. Now, you may not tell me, hmm? but you will withdraw yourself, if not all of yourself, enough of yourself to make sure you don't get hurt. Hmm? And if I continue taking you for granted, at some point you will start interpreting me taking you for granted as rejection. And you're going to start feeling rejection. And that would just cause you to withdraw even more. Now, many times what people do, they just go. They just write you off and they just leave you. Or they may stick around and continue to have some type of relationship with you, but the relationship will be superficial. You hear me? There's going to be a gap in that relationship. And the only thing that will fill that gap is when you start to show appreciation to him or her. Are you following me? So here is the important lesson as if you and I, and hopefully all of us are making this decision, that we're going to be grateful people. We're going to do the will of the Lord in everything we're going to give thanks. We understand that means giving thanks to God, but it also means being thankful to people. One of the things we need to understand, listen to this, that gratitude unexpressed is experienced as ingratitude. For gratitude to be inside of you, you're feeling grateful, that's one thing. But just because you feel grateful on the inside doesn't mean you are a grateful person. To be a grateful person means you have to express it. It's only when you express it that it serves to draw you and the other person closer. Until it's ex uh, expressed is interpreted, is felt, is experienced as ingratitude, and ultimately it can be felt and experienced as rejection. And that can undermine your relationship. So one of the things I got to do better, and I pray you have to do better, is not be content with simply feeling grateful. I got to realize I'm not a grateful person until I start expressing it. Now this is actually demonstrated by none other than Jesus himself. Jesus himself needed to have gratitude expressed for him to feel the person that he had helped was grateful. You know the story of the ten lepers. Hmm? You know how Jesus healed them. All ten of them. You know the story. And leprosy was no, no small sickness. I mean, your nose 
your hands, your fingers, your toes, all of these things lost. You are, you are, you are, uh, 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 your body is really being destroyed. This was a serious illness. And these 10 men all cried out to Jesus for help. And Jesus spoke and said, go show yourself to the priest. And as they were going to show themselves to the priest in the temple, the Bible says all 10 of them were instantaneously, miraculously, supernaturally, irreversibly healed. There was no doubt about it. The leprosy left them. You cannot tell me that those men, all 10 of them, did not feel grateful in their heart. You cannot tell me when they saw what had happened, they were not thankful in their heart. They were not glad in their heart. In their hearts, they didn't feel grateful. They had to. And they went on to the temple. But only one of them was really a grateful person. All ten of them were grateful in their hearts. But only one was a grateful person. Which one? The one that returned to Jesus to say thank you. Jesus did not experience the other nine people and did not see them as being grateful. Not because they didn't feel gratitude in their heart, but because they did not make the effort to go and find the person through whom God had worked to bless them and say thank you to that person. Now, if you had gone to these men and said you are ungrateful, after this kind of miracle, how can you be ungrateful? They would have argued with you. They would have said, what do you mean we're ungrateful? If you knew what was in our hearts, if you knew how thankful we were, you wouldn't say we're ungrateful. But here's the problem. We don't know what's in your heart. And until you say it, we don't feel it. And Jesus, even Jesus, wanted to be thanked. Had a need to be thanked. And even Jesus was disturbed enough by their lack of gratitude in order to mention it and confront them for not saying thank you. Now, it took courage to do that. Most people don't have the courage to come to you and say, eh, but how about saying thanks? It would have been nice if you had said thank you. You know, I know that many of you haven't said thank you to none of you have come to me and said, Bishop, it would have been nice if you had said thank you. And you know what? If you had come to me and told me I was ungrateful, I said, what do you mean I'm ungrateful? You, if you knew my heart. <laughs> because here's the reality. My heart is full of gratitude. But that's not what it takes to be a grateful person. It's not enough for my heart to be full of gratitude. To be a grateful person, I need to express that gratitude. And I need to find the person who has blessed me big or small, and say to that person, man, thank you. I really, really appreciate that. It makes all the difference in the world. And if the Son of God himself needed to be thanked, to feel appreciated as a man and valued as a man, I need it, you need it, we all need it. And I'm asking you, and I'm reminding myself, let's be the instruments by whom and through whom God can bless others.
let's be people who are practicing gratitude every day. Let's stop taking one another for granted. Don't wait for me to do something big for you to say thank you. Let's say thank you from our hearts. When you feel gratitude, find a way to express it. In Jesus' name. When somebody has blessed you, if you have to go out of your way to find them to say thank you, do so. In Jesus' name. They tell me the happiest people on earth are people who are grateful. If you take your gratitude level to another level, your happiness level will follow. Gratitude has so many, many practical benefits. You do the research. The Bible says a joyful heart doeth good like what? Medicine. That means when your heart is glad, healing is taking place in your life. Amen? When your heart is glad, they tell us a, a, a grateful person, their immune system is stronger. They fall asleep quicker. They sleep deeper. They tell us that when, when your heart is glad, your self-esteem goes up. And when your self-esteem goes up, there are just all kinds of positive things that follow because you've got a healthy self-esteem. And the reason why a grateful person has a healthy self-esteem, because when you're grateful, you're not comparing yourself to other people. Because you're grateful for what you have. And because you're not comparing yourself to other people, your self-esteem is better. Mentally, when you're grateful, there's some, this, these happy chemicals that call what? Dop dopamine, I think it's the right word. The body releases it. And what happens when dop dopamine, the happy chemicals, the feel-good chemicals are released, you're less anxious, less stressful. All of those things contribute to life and health, to the quality of your life, and to the quantity of your days. So just from a very practical standpoint, one of the benefits you get will be natural. You just find yourself hurting less. Find yourself dealing with less headaches. Find yourself not getting sick as often because your immune system is stronger. You find yourself adding years to your life. Instead of dying at 70, you may end up living until 80. Why? Because a joyful heart does good like medicine. But, but wait a minute. Have you ever met someone with a joyful heart who had a complaining mouth? The two don't go together. To have a joyful heart and receive the benefits of a joyful heart, you can't have a complaining mouth. You need what? A thankful mouth. Fill your mouth with gratitude, fill your heart with joy, you become a happier person, and you get all these physical, emotional, and spiritual benefits. Wow. It's not just about God. It's also about you. In Jesus' name. So here's, here's, here, here is some, an assignment. I'm going to do it. I encourage you to join me. I want my gratitude level to go up so that my happiness level can go up. And for gratitude to happen, we have to be what? Intentional. So we're going to have to be intentional about this. I have to be intentional about being a grateful person. Here is the homework. Okay? Every day this week, that's seven days, 
find at least three things to say, I'm thankful, oh God, for this. Write it down. Three things. If you do at least three things in seven days, you will have 21 things that you have thanked God for. Are you hearing me? But don't only find things to thank God for. Find things to thank people for. You will thank God for everything. But as you thank God for everything, there will some, be some things that you also got to thank people for. And as you thank God for those three things, identify who else you need to say thank you to. Find a way. Do what that one man did. Find that person. Go out of your way. Find that person and tell that person, you know what? The other day you did so and so. Thank you. Or when you don't do so and so, this is how it makes me feel. Thank you. Every day, thank God for at least three things and find at least one person that you can say thank you to for something specific. Do that for seven days. Your gratitude level will go up. Your happiness level will go up. You'll start feeling pretty good about yourself. And maybe then it will become a lifestyle. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Right now, I don't feel you appreciate me. <laughs> Amen. Now, here's the reverse side. Don't go around just looking for people to appreciate you either. <laughs> oh, he didn't appreciate me. He didn't. No, that's the other stream. Amen. So let's avoid the extremes. But there's a healthy way to walk in this. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. amen. God bless you.